Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Bless you all this morning. Um, it's so good to be with you again. Got my pot. It'll all become clear as it goes on. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for um, tuning in, allowing us back into your homes again this week. It's um, obviously not the way we want to do it, but it's the way we have to do it. And um, as Dave has already said, um, the, uh, it's going to be for another three weeks anyway, at the very least, and what happens after that, we'll see. Thanks, Damber, also for the worship this morning. How great is our God. Can we just pray a tech? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you how you minister and speak to us, Lord, as we open it today, as we handle it, as we, um, as we portray it to people. We pray, God, that you'd help us to divide it um, to people, help us to give it to them as you would give it to us, Lord. And we just pray that you would lead and guide in it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I get into today's message, um, let me just say a couple of little things. I was caught in my um, devotionals um, in, the, in the mornings at 8.30 this week doing Matthew 9, and uh, we're told at the end of Matthew 9 that Jesus went about the, the towns and the villages, and um, it said that he healed all who were sick um, of every disease and every affliction. And then it says that he saw the crowds, this little phrase caught me, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And it caught me at them. Um, Jesus obviously had come with good news, but he come with good news, he couldn't not see the bad news. There was so much stuff out there, so much hurt, so much desolation, sheep without a shepherd. And I'm sure, like me, as you've watched the news over the last weeks, as things have unfolded, the tragedies that um, come day after day on the news are, are desperate. Around 13,000 people dead in the UK with this COVID-19 um, around 30,000 people in, in the USA and around 20,000 in Italy and France and on and on we could go and just the devastation, desperate, desperate times. And if the world ever needed some good news, it needs it today. In the midst of all the bad news, it needs some good news. And thank God for the gospel because that's what the gospel means. The word gospel means good news. Now, without minimizing the tragedy and the pain that's around the world today, I have no doubt in my mind that, the, that God is, is, is working. I have no doubt in my mind that God is, is renewing and calling a remnant um, of people called the church to rise up in this day, to rise up like never before. People are dying without Christ, and they need to know the good news of the gospel, and that's our job as people. And so what we did in church back last September, we started a series called Following Jesus in All of Life, 
And we did that through our whole discipleship procedure. Those of you who were there will remember that. We based it in John 14, verse 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so what we did from September to Christmas, we talked about the ways of Jesus, teaching the ways of Jesus, that we would understand them and live in those ways. And then from January through to Easter, we taught on the truth, on the the words of Jesus. We did that through some parables and looked at the words of Jesus, the truth. And so we're going to continue on um, because we're not dead sure how long we're going to have to do church this way, but we're going to continue on in our theme of following Jesus in all of life. And we're going to look at the life of Jesus, one that, by the way, we are supposed to imitate. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Now, many years ago, when my kids were small and we were on holidays one year, we went to a pottery and this old lady was making pots a little bit grander than this one. Um, but anyway, um, she was making a pot and what she would do, um, what she would do, she would just take a lump of clay and she would set it on the wheel, on the potter's wheel. She would pump the pedal and the wheel would begin to turn and with wetting her hands in a bucket, she would start to mold and to, and to, and to make this pot, this vase or vase or vase, whatever you like to call it. And, um, and she would shape it and shape it. And, and as the wheel turned, she would pull the, the clay up and she would, and as I say, it was a lot fancier in this one. And as she would pull it up, she would, then she would mold a, a lip around it and she began to really mold this pot into something very, very beautiful. I was quite amazed. And then she did a strange thing when it looked like it was perfect after a lot of hard work and a lot of um, uh, skill, um, when it looked like it was perfect, she, she, she wet her hands in, in the bucket of water and she started to go inside the pot. I had to get a pot this size so I could get my hand in and out of it again. But she would go inside and, and, and as she would go inside, each time she would come out with a handful of, of clay, a handful of mud, and then in the doing of it, she would maybe knock a lip off. And I remember thinking... Man, she's racking that pot. And then she would, it would, she would set it on the, on, the, on the thing again and she would begin to mold and fix the, the piece that broke off. And then she would go down in again and the pot would spin and she would come out. And the, the, thought, um, the thought crossed my mind that outside the pot um, is character. What we see outside is character, but what's inside is capacity. And when it comes to the church, God does both. There's something about our character that needs to be impeccable when it comes to the kingdom of God because we're witnesses and we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, so we need to live a life that he lived. Um, But there's something about capacity. A pot is no good if it doesn't hold something. And so the fact that she would go down in and she would take out, she was creating capacity. This pot needed to hold something. And and it, it seems to me, It seems to me, when I look at the church over the last 2,000 years and study church history, I I find moments that I would call capacity moments. Moments where it feels like while God has been working on the character of his church all through the years, there are strategic moments in the history of the church that he seems to go deep inside again and begin to create more capacity. And I think that's what we're living in. 
I believe we're living in a day in which God is, has begun to create capacity in his church. This church needs to hold something. And that's what I feel is happening at this moment in time. So with that in mind, we're going to read a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 5. If you want to turn to it, Luke chapter 5, we're going to read um, the first 11 verses. Now, I'll leave my pot there because I'm going to refer to it uh, as, we, as we go on. All right? Luke 5, 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, "Um, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch, you, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats onto the shore, left everything, and followed him. Wow, that's a powerful marathon piece of scripture. We go from empty nets, tied up boats, and weary fishermen, to bursting nets and sinking boats, and very happy fishermen, all in a matter of moments. Now, this is a really critical day in the life of Jesus, and it's a real critical day in the life of the church. And I want to draw some comparisons, five little points I want to make out of this that I think are very comparative to where we are at this moment in time. Jesus is going to surround himself with a group of followers, a group of people who would be known as, as, as disciples, and it would be like a kind of a, a group that would change the world. This would be his like inner circle core of followers, and he just doesn't put a word out for any and all. He doesn't put an ad in the paper. Um, he doesn't put it in gum tree. He, 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 he gives these people some tests. He's very strategic people in mind. And so he wants to figure out, out of this inner circle of people, do they have the capacity? Do they have the capacity to hold what he wants for them to hold? And this is a huge challenge he's about to, he's introducing and he's building the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And who he surrounds himself will have a great deal to do with whether the kingdom will advance in the manner in which he has in mind. So this is a critical day. And he's going to put these three guys, Peter, James, and John, mostly Peter, to some tests, all right? Now, what happens is the longer he talks, the bigger the crowd gets. Sometimes we don't have that problem. Sometimes the more we talk, the smaller the crowd gets. But when Jesus talked, the bigger the crowd gets. And after a while, he began to realize that 
he, he needed to do something. And so the beach was crowding, the shore was crowding, and he thought, if I could get into a boat and move out from the shore, then the, 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 the shore could get as crowded as it would like, and I could use the natural amplification of the water, because he was the king of kings and he knew that, and I could use the natural amplification of the water to bring my message across. So he gets into a boat, and he gets into Simon's boat. Now, he didn't get into Simon's boat by accident. He got into Simon's boat because he had some tests in mind. And he gets into Simon's boat and he says, will you row me out a little bit from the shore? Now, this is the test. He's trying to see the sort of stuff that Simon Peter's made of. He, he, these are going to be different days from this point on. Does that make sense to you? That these are going to be different days. I think the church is never going to be the same again, actually, talking even in a global way. These are different days. And so he needs to test some people to see have they got the capacity to take this thing to the next level. That's what he's doing. And so his first test, I'm going to call it the action test. Test number one, the action test. Now, Jesus isn't testing Peter's theology here. He's not testing his intelligence or his character even. He's testing his capacity. He's testing his willingness to jump into a situation and sort out a problem. He's, he's testing to see how he will respond to action. Maybe God is giving us the action test at the moment. Maybe he's seeing as we draw aside, as we've been sent home to figure out our true identity and figure out our true calling, as we've talked about in weeks past. Maybe he's, he's, he's seeing, are we delving into some healthy spiritual practices? Are we getting sloppy in, in our spiritual lives while at home? These are all big points. So now there's a downside to this sort of action-oriented person because sometimes action-oriented people get impulsive. And uh, you remember from later on in Simon Peter's life, you'll maybe know that when he was, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he actually took out a sword and whacked off a guy's ear. So he's pretty impulsive, this guy, Peter. And I think sometimes that action and impulsiveness goes together. And it's interesting to me that I think that Jesus is actually saying here, give me a little bit of that hyperactivity once in a while, I'll handle it okay. So, First test, Peter, the action test, he's passed it in flying colors, all right? Now the second test comes along, and Jesus says, Peter, I want you to go out now on your own without me in the boat with you. I want you to go out in broad daylight, and I want you to catch some fish, all right? His second test was the direction test. First test, the action test. Second test, the direction test. Now, you know what's true of a lot of high-energy people, action people, they create a lot of action, they just don't follow anybody's orders. And sometimes they don't even follow God's orders. They don't follow anybody's orders. It's all about their activity. It's not about submission. But <laughs> it's not about our activity anymore. It's all about submission. And God has given us a direction test. Peter has fished all night. We know that from the story. Um, you, you've just read it with me. They've worked hard and they haven't caught anything. And now this carpenter come teacher who's not a fisherman um, says, Peter, I want you to get into that boat and I want you to drop your nets out in the deep. Broad daylight, unthinkable for a professional fisherman. I uh, worked as a, uh, I worked a sand barge in Loch Nair for many years. And I would leave at 4.30 in the morning and all the fishing boats, 200 fishing licenses in Loch Ness, all the fishing boats, we would have to pick them up on the radar in the dark because they were 
hard to spot. They were everywhere, and they would go out at night, and then it would go out early hours of the morning, and then late at night, that's the time to fish. And so Peter would have known that. But I love his response in verse 5. It's so honest. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught a thing. But then he says this, but because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. Now, if you underline your Bible, and I hope you do, you ought to take your pen right now and underline that line. That is so, so good. Because you say so, I will. Now, Peter's struggling. He's not denying that. But in the final analysis, he's saying, because of who said it and because you said it, the answer is yes. Now, if Peter had not passed this test, I don't think we would know his name today. I, uh, he's one of the early founders of the church. Um, and, and I think a lot of it had to do with this second test. There's so much at stake for Peter here. He has no idea what his future holds. He's no idea what's going to happen. But he said this line, because you said so, I will. And it changed his life forever. Um, and his life opened up in a very powerful way. And so what it said he is, whatever the Holy Spirit is prompting you in at the moment, the answer should be yes. Whatever he has sent to you in this direction test, whatever way he is pointing you, the answer should always be, now it's okay to, should always be yes. Now it's okay to wrestle. It's okay to say, but master, I've been up all night. I've been doing it this other way for years. You got to understand this isn't easy for me to go all technical and do it via screens and not see people anymore at this moment in time. Master, it's not easy to do this. And at the end of the day, after you've had your wee wrestle, you've got to surrender and just say, hey, because you said it's this way, then this is the way we're going to do it. And there's something about this. And you will never regret saying, I will, um, to the direction test to follow whatever the Holy Spirit um, uh, cause you to do. Third test. We better go fast. Third test. Now, this is an interesting thing. Have you ever asked yourself why Jesus arranged such a catch of fish that even the very boats would begin to sink and the nets break? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, this is a huge catch of fish. Was it about the money? What did Jesus feel sorry for them because they hadn't caught anything all night? What was going on? Why did he do this? Well, I think it was a test. So we've got an action test. We've got a direction test. Now I think we've got a credit test. This is the credit test. I think some of the crowd are still gathered. Peter went out, dropped his nets. Huge catch of fish. James and John come and help him. They haul this huge catch of fish onto the beach. There might have been the temptation to get your iPhone and take a selfie and, 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 and put it on Twitter or Facebook or, or whatever else and say, look, aren't we cool? Look what we've done. Catch a fish in broad daylight. When did a fisherman ever do that? I think it was a test. It was a who deserves the credit test. And this is amazing to me because Peter comes ashore and this was the first thing he does. He falls at the feet of Jesus. He falls, it says, at Jesus' knees. And he says something that's profound. He says, go away from me, Jesus, because I'm a sinful man. What was he saying? He was saying, you're so over me. You're so different than me. You have so much power. You have so much authority. You are sovereign. And I know who I am. I'm just a sinful man. And you're so different from me. You should have nothing to do with me knowing who you are and who I am. It was a test. And Peter is on his knees going, Jesus, you get the credit every time. See, Jesus is testing the capacity. 
And so far, Peter's coming through this in flying colors because he's realizing that all glory must go to God. And if God is going to do something huge in the church, which I think he is, then we need to be careful and get this right from day one that all credit goes to him. It's not because we've realized that in the last three to four weeks, we're not as smart as we think we are. And life can turn in a penny and change in a moment. And this was a test. This was something. And how quick are we, I wonder, to give credit to God, his disciple. It was his wisdom that came my way. It was his power. It was his idea. It was his strength. So three tests and two to go, and we'll do these in a couple of minutes. The fourth test, all right? Once the buzz of the great fish um, catch had happened, you would think that, well, everybody would just go home. That's it all done and dusted. The lesson's over. But Jesus poses yet another test. I call it the greater vision test. So we've got the action test. We've got the direction test. We've got the credit test. Now we've got the greater vision test. Now, timing's impeccable. I love this. Again, there's still the buzz in the air from the catch of fish, and I can imagine this unfolding sort of this kind of way that Jesus says to Peter, James, guys, wasn't that fun? Wasn't that amazing? What did you think about that? Wasn't it great to do it as a team? You did it. We hauled it all together and brought them in. Wasn't that smashing? And, and, and well, just for a moment, He says, guys, what about thinking about a a grander, a bigger vision? What about something about some something? What what about if 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 God has sent us today, Phyllis? Great. And all that's happened at Emmanuel for the last 23, 24 years is great. But what about a what about a bigger vision? What about more capacity? What about something greater? What about something grander? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, you gotta kick out a net and a bunch of fish. Think it would be like well, think of what it would be like to catch or to redirect your lives and redirect that energy from catching fish to redirecting that into pulling in hundreds and thousands of lives into their eternal destiny, into heaven. What about that? Talking about, talking about a grander vision. Now, nothing against vision, you understand, but just compare the stakes. You bring all that fish in, you take them to the market, you get your money, you go home. I've nothing against the way you used to do church. You can continue just to catch your fish with a rod one at a time, or you can accept my invitation to take my net and catch thousands, maybe even millions. There's a grander vision in this, folks. And, and he's, he's testing, I believe, he's testing the capacity of the church at the moment. We need to go after people's destinies. You want to you wanna do this, there's something really special. In it. Now, last, the last test. See if I can remember them all, because I have them, they're in different pages here. We've got the action test. We've got the direction test. We've got the credit test. We've got the greater vision test. And here's the last test. It's the call to follow Jesus test. The call to follow Jesus test. Now, verse 11 says, they pulled their shores, their their boats up ashore and they left everything to follow Jesus. Now, what I've realized in my lifetime is that sometimes God taps somebody on the shoulder and uh, he, he says to them, he whispers in their ear, I want to change things. I, I want you to do this a different way. I want you to leave everything you know, everything you've been trained to do, and I want you to follow me. And it's the, it's the will you follow me test. <laughs> and I think if ever there was a test in the church at the moment, 
This is the one that I think I'm most partial to at the moment. That God would say to us, some of us who have done this for a lifetime, I'm changing direction. I'm changing the way you do this. And even when the lockdown's over, there's going to be changes and you need to follow me. You need to hear what I'm saying because I've got plans for you. Remember back to our first Sunday in lockdown, Jeremiah 29, 11. I've got plans for you and I've got plans to prosper you and to give you a future. I've got plans for Emmanuel. I've got plans for every church in this town. I've got plans for every church in the world because they're all part of the church, the bride of Christ. And I've got plans to give it a future. So there's something about this that's really, really important. A strange thing happened this week. I was sitting in uh, our front room and uh, I, uh, my, my wife and I, Laurie and I were sitting and uh, it was about night, eight or half eight. It was just getting dark and there was a pigeon in our lawn and we were looking out the patio window. There was a pigeon on our lawn and we were just looking at the pigeon in the lawn and as we were looking at this pigeon in the lawn, this hawk or falcon, I don't know what it was, um, but it was a large bird of prey, just came down in a moment, and there was a flurry of feathers. The feathers just, and there was a couple of squawks, and the feathers went up into the air, and this bird of prey took off with a very dead pigeon in its claws. I'd never seen anything like that before, especially not in my own lawn. And the, and there's little things have been happening in my life in the last few weeks that I feel God's been speaking to me of. And I felt, as soon as it happened, I felt a test coming on. I felt God was challenging us. And, and here's what I would say to you. I would say the enemy says, in, 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 or the Bible says in John 10, that, uh, that the enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and you might have it to abundance. Don't get caught. Don't get caught napping. This is not a day to, to not allow the capacity, the hand of God to move into your life. Well, you say, Phil, will it be difficult? Yeah, it will. It's always, it, it, when you're cleaning out, it's never easy. So will it be difficult? Will it be tough? Will it be tough time? Of course it will. Will it be worth it? A thousand times. So my question as we close, do you pass the action test? Do you pass the direction test? What about the credit test? What about the grander vision test? Or what about the idea to follow him all the days of our life? Those are great tests. Capacity, capacity, capacity. Let's be a church with capacity. We pray, if you're watching with us and um, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, we would love to give you this opportunity to do that. There's a number which will be on the bottom of your screen. If you call this number, someone would be there willing to help you. We'd love to, we'd love to do that. We'd love to be able to, we can't save you, but we can point you to one who can. So let's pray. And, let's, and if you've never prayed a prayer like this before, maybe you'd want to pray something like this. Father, I thank you today for Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross to bear my sin. I repent of that sin now and in Jesus' name asked him would he come and live in my life. Would you fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. I give myself to you this day for now and for eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you.
this week. I hope that um, you're encouraged. I hope that you can find Jesus in all of this, and I hope that you can pass all of these tests. May the Lord really bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.